Welcome to the My Curious Colleague podcast with your host, me, Denise Venieri. I am a 20-year practitioner in the consumer engagement space, having worked for two large CPG organizations. My intent is to celebrate and share best practices with particular focus around the specialist and analyst roles and to give back to this great community because CPGCX rocks. Welcome, welcome to my first episode of the My Curious Colleague podcast. I am your host, Denise Veneri, and for those that don't know my origin story, well, here it is. With my son safely off to college, I decided to begin speaking and writing about my various consumer engagement roles. This led to starting a YouTube channel last year and now pivoting to podcasting. So episode one is very special to me. Not only is my first guest a longtime colleague of mine, she is also someone I consider a good friend. I'm talking about Susan Baranowski. Susan has been a leader within the consumer engagement space for a leading food and beverage company for over 20 years, where she most recently held the position of Director of Consumer Care and Advocacy. In addition, she is an active member of SOCAP, the Society of Consumer Affairs Professionals, and served as board chair in 2010. And now she is also a member of Execs in the Know. Hello, Susan. So happy to see you. Hi, Denise. Happy to be part of your podcast journey. Um, thanks for the invite. It's, it's really exciting. Yeah, and excited to have you. I thought we would start right at the top, which is your title. I believe that advocacy piece in your title was added maybe somewhere along the line. I don't often say that, but, you know, the more you think about it, the more it really makes sense intuitively. And wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about what that title meant to your organization. Sure. About five years ago, as leader of the customer care function, I was asked to really look at the entire organization um, now with a marketing lens because we now reported under marketing services. And I was challenged to really figure out exactly who we should be, what are the services we should offer, and come up with almost the strategy in your five-year plan. Part of that included roles and responsibilities, as well as a new organizational structure, new business partners, job descriptions, and titles. So I did some benchmarking with many of our CPG peers, as well as other industry peers. And what I found, obviously, people use the word customer or consumer. But I also saw the term response, and I saw customer service, and I saw affairs and care. But the one word that was kind of coming up, but not all that often, was experience. And I thought, this is perfect. This is what we do. This is what my team does. We really care for the consumer one-on-one. And then based on their experience with our products and services, we take that information and we convert it into feedback to go back to our brand partners to implement and um, use for change. So as I went to do a litmus litmus test within our organization, I found out that 
a lot of places we're starting to use the word experience. Um, that goes for marketing, e-commerce, and you just started seeing the word experience showing up in job titles. So it wasn't something I could truly own. So I had to go back and basically say, I can own that one-on-one relationship with a consumer. That is the care side of it. But I also play a big role in taking our feedback and using it to advocate for our consumers and have an influence in our products and services, and therefore was the birth of advocacy as part of my title. <laughs> well, such a such a big aha there. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we're going to take it a little bit faster now. We're going to go into a rapid fire round of questions. And really what I want to do here is to level set everybody on your organization um, piece and the technology piece, because I think that's going to put some of our discussion into context. So are you ready, Susan? I am ready. All right, here we go. Question number one, which function did you report to? Not as rapid fire as you would hope, but (laughs) you've joined me on this journey. We reported into communications. We reported into marketing. We reported into customer service. We reported into marketing again. We reported into quality. We reported into uh, marketing services. Um, There's just so many different places that we have reported because we do have an impact across the organization. Um, in fact, a, a little story is that I would go to board meetings for SOCAP and we would do a, a round the table and everybody would be talking about what's new. And I'd hear one of my peers say, oh, we're now reporting into X. And I was like, no. And But at least I knew what was coming up because shortly thereafter, we'd be reporting into that same function. So right. I, in bottom line is we've reported into a lot of different areas. Yeah, I, I hear you on that one. And I think if you've been in the in this space long enough, you can understand what we're talking about. Um, it's all good, though. It's all good. Well, let me ask you this. Where do you think consumer care should report? So it, it felt very comfortable for me to report into marketing. Um, there they weren't as familiar with the services and the information that we had. So it was a great opportunity. And we do need to partner hand in hand with them to make sure that we're delivering the right information to the consumers. So it felt very comfortable to be part of the marketing services organization. But I I do know that um, any place that you report where you have top management in your court supporting you financially and just supporting the voice of the consumer, whether it's new technology or new organizational structure, just in new vendors, new, there's just so much opportunity to make that consumer experience and make sure that it continues to grow with the consumer and all the new technologies. So any place you can get that level of support is probably the right place. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great advice. Speaking of technology, let's talk uh, two questions here about systems. Um, CRM systems, which ones have you used? Astute CRS and Enlight Knowledge Base. Got it. How about on the social media side, what technology have you used for social media? We use Sprinkler 
we used it as a collaboration tool with marketing communications and uh, care where we set up customized workflows and alerts within the system to help us manage the volume of social media mentions. Got it. How about brand ambassadors? About how many uh, were on your team? Based on my experience, we typically had anywhere from 60 to 80. And of course, we always had the ability to ramp up because as much as you don't want it to happen, something always happens that you're not expecting that drives that incremental contact volume. Agree. That ability to expand and contract at a moment's notice is, is critical. How about um, insourced team or outsourced team? Which one? I would say 95% of my career in consumer care has really spent with um, outsourced business partners. Yep. And on the contact side, about how many a year did you support? We, from a classic channel, phone, email, even letters sometimes, we handled about 400 to 500,000 per year. Um, layering in, you would also add in the social and digital component to that, which was around a half a million mentions. And that was, re- and it was growing all the time with ratings and reviews and different avenues of consumer communication. Yeah. Um, tools used for reporting. Sometimes that, you know, can be different than the basic CRM tool. So which tools are used for reporting purposes? So we used Astute Insight, we used MicroStrategies, Sprinkler, Google Analytics, and Tableau. Okay, good job. That's uh, that's it with the questions, or at least the rapid fire ones, I should say. We are going to slow things down a bit. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about me, just to level set everybody. Um, you already know most of this, but my background has been in roles in you know solely reporting. So that's like the VOC reporting and new products, which I love, as well as acting as brand specialist and analyst, supporting more of the operational side of things, you know, working with marketers to ensure that the call center team knows, you know, all the consumer touch points and has what they need to care deeply for the consumer. So let's talk a little bit about, now back to you, (laughs) tell me a little bit about your experience working with, I'll call, you know, these types of roles, specialists or analyst type roles in, in making sure your agents were well-versed in these marketing plans, you know, and they had the product information and the responses available for their use. So Denise, even when we work together, this has been a long-standing challenge. Um, the the, mar- the marketers tend to move and change roles, and you're kind of starting like you thought you had what we used to refer to as our angels, and then they would switch positions, and then we'd have to start all over again, right? So it's yeah. a it's a it's a it's something you try because you you love what you do so much, and you try to impart that on the marketers and make sure that they understand how important that is. But something, a few things that we've done most recently that have really, really helped because we really did not have a lot of that information unless somebody manually provided the the content for us is we implemented Salsify. And Salsify was a system that was really came about because of our e-commerce partners were asking for specific information 
it's the same information consumers have always asked us. What what is the product name? What are the ingredients? What does the nutrition facts say? What are some key attributes about the product or the reasons to believe? Some basic information. And we were able to work with the Salsify team and create a version for the care team so they would automatically have access to that information. So that was like the basics of you know what we should have. Um, and we just got that. The other area that really had an impact was SharePoint. So now that we had all the basic product information and as labels change and products change, they would automatically be part of this Saucify system. We were now able to use a SharePoint site which allowed us to communicate to the marketers, when do they need to tell us? What do they need to tell us? And it made it much more streamlined and it was easier to explain to them why it had an impact. And therefore we only had to expect that information from them, it, like Q and A's around major product launches or campaigns. So, it was really around change management and finding the most efficient way to get the information and reduce a lot of that manual work that we that we used to do just to be able to get basic information. Yeah. Oh, so so interesting. Um, such a you know labor of love. Both of those both of those items, um, and I'm sure that second one in the share the SharePoint not only helped your, your agent teams to have what they need, but also you know, those who were doing analytics on the team, you know, so they could get ahead of the curve and be ready to you know, do that new product reporting or reformulated reporting. Um, so let's just stick with them for a second. Let's think about those analyst roles. Uh, what did you feel was the biggest challenge? So I think the the biggest challenge as things become more complex and consumers have additional touch points and needs and technology changes, I it is really about how do you bring all of that data together to have a comprehensive look at the consumer experience and make it so that it's actionable and you can get it real time so that it inc- can impact the decisions at, at the right time. Yeah, nicely, nicely put. The million-dollar question there. You know, in the industry, you're, you're known as someone who is very successful at vendor relationships. Can you share with us two or three, you know, key things specific that you keep in mind or you do to encourage success with your vendor? So this is near and dear to my heart. It's I'm very passionate about this. Um, I think it's it's the best use of your time is that vendor or business partner relationship, and it all starts at the very beginning. Who is your partner in that due diligence and making sure that you really dig deep to make sure your business partner and you are aligned with technology and culture and everything, asking those really, really deep, detailed questions that is all part of the RFP. Once you go there and you find that right business partner, then it's really about how can you make that partnership work better. And the three things that I go back to are trust. And like any relationship, 
trust starts with at the at the basic you need to build that foundation you need to grow and it can start with as simply as when you say you're going to do something you do it and you follow up and that goes on on both sides for the the brand or the company as well as the business partner the second is communication clear communication and we always expect that from our vendors but we should also expect it of ourselves to provide to the vendors. It, having a clear, concise strategy, objectives, goals, measures, and making sure that's communicated clearly and on a regular basis. The final, and it's not my strongest point, is really making sure that you take time to celebrate. Build that into your program that you recognize and celebrate milestones and achievements. So often, you know, we get caught up in the day to day and then the next thing comes up and you forget that you've never really taken the time to celebrate. So what I would in this age of the pandemic, we have learned to manage organizations remotely. We have learned to communicate, we have learned to recognize, we've learned to celebrate because we had to. Well, here's a great time to include your business partner in many of those events and make sure that they feel just as included as you do as an employee. Yeah, I, I love all of those, Susan, especially that, that third one that you underscored there. Thank you for that. You know, this, this has been a year of a lot of things. It's been a year that I've been so grateful for so much, though. Um, in particular, our healthcare providers on a very public level, but also on a personal level, as you know, and, and have a lot of heart in trying to figure out how I'm going to give back <laughs> to some of those folks. So wondering if you have a charity or a volunteer group you'd like to give a shout out to. Maybe it's someone who you volunteered with before or you have supported in, in other ways. I, I do. Um, Ronald McDonald House Charities is something that's near and dear to my heart. And it's really near and dear to my heart because it was near and dear to one of our coworkers' hearts. And that's how we started. And I'm so glad that she introduced us to this organization. Mm -hmm. Ronald McDonald House is a nonprofit family and children's chari charity that is dedicated to supporting families with ch sick children in their time of need. Uh, we we did a lot with Ronald McDonald House, including making breakfast. We had crafts and charity events. Um, we also had a coffee house events, and we also supported families that didn't have anyone during the holiday. So it was a a great opportunity for us to do something that was really good for the community, as well as it helped strengthen our bond as a team. And I think it's a great organization and would love um, additional people to get involved in it. Please, um, if you have the contact information, please share that. Sure. It's Ronald McDonald House Charity. So it's rmhc.org. And if you would like any support or to ask any questions, I'm sure Denise or myself would be glad to share with you what we've done with them in the past. And we in invite you to reach out to them directly as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, when things become a little, like I said, a little bit more safe, um, one of the things on the list is for me to get more involved in the local 
um, Cleveland chapter of the Ronald McDonald House. So I really have you to thank for that, you and our coworker for introducing uh, me to that organization. How about a, a book or a movie that has inspired you or one that you find yourself going back to to stay motivated? So one of my my first business books that I think really had an um, really had an impact on me as a business leader was Jim Collins, Good to Great. Um, doing what you do, doing it better than anyone else, and and sticking with that, um, and making all your decisions around being really, really good at that one thing. Um, today, um, the world has changed so much, and one of the books I want I want to share with you because I know Denise and I both share the love of self help business books is um, Cal Newport's Digital Minimalism: Choosing a Focused Life in a Noisy World. Today, we are bombarded with newsletters online. We have our cell phones. We have our laptops. We have chat. We have Netflix. We have so many things that are all available and vying for our attention. If we're not careful, those things can kind of overtake your your world and overtake your time, which is so valuable. This book really talks you through that. And it really makes sure that you're purposefully deciding where to spend your time so that you can ultimately reach your goals. And I think that now more than ever, that is so important. Yeah, so exactly. So very timely. Thanks for sharing that. Well, listen, I'd love to have you back to talk more about pretty much any of these topics a little bit more, uh, a little bit more deeply, but in particular, I'd love to hear more about the social media channel um, and, you know, how you got that seat at the table and also um, selfishly would love to hear more about how you're navigating through those 500,000 social media mentions and and what that process looks like. Um, So what do you think? I'd love to come back. This this was fun. It's great catching up, Denise. Yeah, even if we have to do it, you know, through me creating a podcast, it's, it's great that we've been able to connect. Um, all right, well, you heard it here first, everybody. Be on the lookout for another episode with my friend and colleague Susan Baranowski. And Susan, if you're up for it, perhaps we can do something fun, like you know, ask the audience to send in some questions ahead of time. How does something like something like that sound to you? Uh, uh, that sounds a little scary, but but fun. But I wanted to add, Denise, I admire you so much for doing this. And you really make CPG CX rock. <laughs> so appreciate that, Susan. Thanks for, for coming on the first one. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast and maybe even telling one of your colleagues to listen in. And also, be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. Thank you for listening.